And this propelled me to say, okay, I want to help mothers and I want to help women um, in tech to make this career they will choose or they have chosen way more beautiful and way more accessible than I had it when I, when I entered it. Welkom bij Women Disrupting Tech. Mijn naam is Dirk-Jan Hupkes en in deze podcast ga ik op ontdekkingsreis in de wereld van vrouwen in de technologie sector. Ik ga in gesprek met vrouwen die in tech werken of oprichter zijn van een tech start-up. Ik ga op zoek naar het antwoord op de vraag hoe zij er wel in geslaagd zijn om succes te hebben. Met andere woorden, hoe zij de technologie sector disrupten. Luister je mee? Hey, welcome back to Women Disrupting Tech. Thank you for listening. If you're a regular listener, you may have heard Estelle Rue explain the importance of having a mentor for women in tech back in episode 27. Around the time that I recorded that podcast episode, I also met today's guest, Claudia Bruce Corte. Our first discussion was about an hour and Claudia was kind enough to point out that having a sponsor in your career has an even bigger impact than having a mentor. So I got curious and today's episode is about sponsoring and we're going to discover the importance of having a sponsor for women in tech. Our guide on this journey is Claudia Bruce Corte. Claudia studied political sciences and she wanted to stay away as far as possible from technical and financial stuff. Nowadays, she finds herself as a key account manager at Red Hat, the leading provider of enterprise open source software and probably best known for its Linux operating system. In addition, Claudia is a career coach and a mentor and a speaker, and she's also a writer Uh, she wrote a book called My Hair, My Choice. In this episode, we will talk about how sponsors can supercharge the careers of women in tech, why you should not take the requirements in a job at, at face value, and why Claudia feels that it's every child's birthright to be adequately represented in this world. So please welcome to Women Disrupting Tech, Claudia Bruce Corte. So welcome, Claudia, to uh, Women Disrupting Tech. Good to have have you. Um, question I always ask at the beginning is how you got into your current uh, job or current position. Right. Thank you so much for having me. So how did I get into tech? Um, it's a funny question because when I studied, uh, I studied political science and I wanted always to stay as far away from anything technical and anything financial. So here I am eight years later and I'm a key account manager, uh, which is basically a sales professional in the tech industry. I yeah. was, um, if you like, headhunted, um, actually. I, I was then looking for a job 2014, 2015, because political science, I was working in it for some time, but it didn't really give me the opening that I wanted. And I was, a headhunter reached out to me and said they had an opportunity, it involved tech, It sounded very interesting to me. And I said, why not? Why wouldn't I try it? And the jigs of it was that it would have involved me being in Switzerland, the country I always was um, eager to visit. 
and to be in because at that time I was mm -hmm. living in France. So mm -hmm. I said, why wouldn't I try out this opportunity? That's how I landed in tech, by coincidence. Ah, for tech Exactly. For ah. a tech sales But what, what kind of tech did you sell then? So what? here's the thing. I was headhunted by a... Um, an agency that was at that time looking for a partner sales associate that would work with Cisco. Mm -hmm. So it would uh, Cisco, you know, really networking. And at that point in time, how it was portrayed to us was really tech is changing the world and tech is changing everything we know without talking about tech. And that is what really compelled me because at mm -hmm. the end of the day, I was like, yes, I do understand the implications that technology can have on our lives. Um, mm -hmm. And if I do not have to code, well, count me in. And this is what really compelled me because I was able to understand or experience tech from a completely different way. The main reason why, and I think this is one of the biggest industry challenges today, is that tech is portrayed in a way that is very male and secondly, very yeah. nerdy, right? Yeah. So you have to hardcore be a hardcore developer, hardcore code. However, tech has so many different other sides. If you look at how applications are being developed today or mm -hmm. how they're being promoted, right? With regards to marketing, sales, distribution, all of these things mm -hmm. are within the tech industry, but they don't necessarily require you to have a specific tech knowledge. And this is what really compelled me to be in this field and to love it eight years plus later. Oh, okay. So you you felt like okay, this is also some. Now I can also see this as something for me. Absolutely. Um, yeah. The reason being, as a political scientist, you don't. When you study political science, you're not really actually studying for a specific job. You're rather sp studying for a group of fields that you can mm -hmm. deploy in various areas, such as marketing, mm -hmm. such as sales, right? Yeah. And tech in that instance gave me that route hey whatever i've been studying you know i can transverse those skills those presentation skills those analytical skills all of these skills uh -huh. that i learned during my political scientist um career right academic career um uh -huh. i could use them then also within the tech field the second thing is that i majored in business so what it helped me also to understand is that how do i bridge the gap between what business need today within the mm -hmm. tech field, how do we drive mm -hmm. innovation? How do we drive digital transformation? And how will that then drive back, you know, or, you know, push back to the business? Like, how do you do that link? And this is what my background within political science actually helped me do. Being able, because when you're political science, um, most of the things that you go through are also policies. How are policies going to impact the yeah. society, organization, things like that, right? You really have to break them down and find that link. Mm -hmm. By me majoring also in business, I got the financial aspect of it, the economical par parts of it. So be then being able to transverse those skills into now this is, you know, technology. We're talking about innovation. We're talking about cloud. We're talking about so many different aspects. How do you bring it back? That's what really helped me Um find a way for myself and see myself in this career okay well that, that's that's important uh to, to see yourself in in a in a tech career um so how has your experience been so far in tech so far it's been a very good experience but i can tell you that it has been a hell of a ride um because again I come yeah. into this industry with no background whatsoever. And this is yeah, one right. thing I can, exactly. This is one thing I can encourage anyone. Um, do not be afraid or, you know, kind of 
shut off by the job ads that you see outside from tech companies. Just apply. Mm -hmm. um, as far as it doesn't require you to know hardcore code or any type of engineering, you can apply. Because I believe today that truly, if you find yourself if you find yourself inside of these job ads, if you find that some of the skills that are being portrayed there, this is something within your work experience, you can bring it back. Those transferable skills are needed. Tech needs to be more diverse, first of all. And yeah. by us coming together, right, from all walks of life, that's how you see tech becoming more inclusive and tech becoming more important and tech becoming so much more uh, diverse also for all of us. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, because I read somewhere that uh, women generally apply only to a job at where they match hundred percent of the of the skills, whereas men right. apply when it when they meet like sixty percent or so. Right. Um, so uh, yeah, I I hear you when it comes to just apply because. But how do you find out if you recognize yourself in a, in a job? What 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 mm -hmm. would you uh, what do you look for? Mm -hmm. That's a very good question. So first off, just um, coming back to what you said early on, that statistics shows women will apply only if they fulfill 100% of the job criteria. So here's one yeah. thing a recruiter told me that always stuck with me until now. The job ads that you see today is a recruiter's wish list. That is the ideal candidate that does not exist. I repeat, that candidate does not exist. No yeah, one that's... can fulfill every like to be able to fulfill everything on a job ad, especially with you know five years of experience. You need two people to do that job, or three people to do to do specifically that job. So when you understand that, it's like okay, what within this field can I successfully fulfill, and the rest I can learn. You have to oh. look at job ads as to okay, I can maybe do sixty percent of it or fifty percent of it, but I'm willing to learn the other fifty percent. Right. And I'm a match mm -hmm. because there's so much more that goes into a hiring process than just what you see on that ad. So that's the first thing. Start with yourself and assessing what can I fulfill. Secondly, have a conversation with either the hiring manager or the recruiter. Because just as the company is assessing whether or not you're the right candidate, in the same way you need to be assessing whether or not this company is the right fit for you, depending on the mm -hmm. standards, depending on your values, depending on how you would like to thrive in an organization. So here is yeah. what I would do. Mm -hmm. Go on LinkedIn. First of all, have, have a target. Before you go on LinkedIn, have a target list of employers or recruiters that you would like, like to work with. When you have that, you go on LinkedIn and you find one or two recruiters within the companies that you would like to work in. Don't ask mm -hmm. them for a job in the very first thing. That's like, that sounds counterintuitive, but hear me out. Don't ask them for a job on the very first time. Ask them for their time to discuss. Go on LinkedIn, ask them, hey, I've seen you working for this company. I really like your product and services. I really understand what type of challenges are ahead of, on the, of the road. I'd like to connect with peers. Do you have 15 minutes time for a call? Most mm -hmm. of the people will say yes. Once you have that, have a conversation about the job that you have seen, right? And whether or not this is the right fit. This is a way better approach but than just blindly applying to jobs and not having any relationship there at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I also uh, always call first. 
Right. I actually do it through, uh, yeah, just with a telephone. Uh, but I always call the recruiter first before mm -hmm. and also to find out, hey, is, is this really something for me? Like uh, a while back, I put in a, a, a application for a marketing position uh, at a municipality. I called them to ask, okay, I don't meet uh, uh a couple of requirements as it comes to tourism marketing is that mm -hmm. is that a big problem no 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 you can learn that that's that's right. not an issue so please apply so absolutely. in that sense yeah i i, I absolutely uh yeah uh, i did it through uh, by the phone but you can also do it through linkedin or maybe even send an email uh sometimes there's an email address so yes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's uh, the reason why it, i advocate yeah exactly so the reason why i advocate for linkedin is that you have a picture of the person right it, it is it kind of creates familiarity with who the person yeah. is because recruiters will go on linkedin and will check you out they will go mm -hmm. on the internet to check you out just like you're going on internet to check the comp companies out right and yeah. that's kind of your first interaction with them before you want to make the call but of course if you can if you want to call them right away you can also do that yeah so um, just just shifting a bit, uh, because next to your job, you're also a career coach and a mentor. Um, right. What kind of people do you have as, as, uh, as coaches or mentees? Mm -hmm. So I'm on a mission, actually. And my mission huh? is to let, I don't think a tech career should suck for women. I don't think a tech career no. should suck for mothers, right? And that's my mission. So very quickly, when I enter tech, I identify the following. That first of all, it's very male-dominated. Secondly, there are not lots of people that look like me that are in the tech industry. I'm a Ghanaian by heritage. I was born and raised in mm -hmm. Hanover, Germany, right? But I find myself very lonely when, when I started. And when I started also, I had a one-year-old um, in an organization that was very much male dominated. And whenever I went to industry events or conferences, I was either mm -hmm. the only woman um, in tech or the only woman besides other women that were in marketing or HR. So yeah. with that, I had so many questions in my mind. I had so many insecurities in my mind and I couldn't go anywhere. And I had to figure it out by myself. And I said, it, there has to be a much better way, which drove yeah. me towards exploring, okay, how are other women being successful? And I started going, you know, out to industry events where there were also women and specifically mm -hmm. women in tech. And this propelled me to say, okay, I want to help mothers and I want to help women um, in tech to make this career they will choose or they have chosen way more beautiful and way more accessible than I had it when I when I entered it, right? And there are still so yeah. many barriers, but this is the reason why I help really women um, in tech, especially mothers, that I want you to stay in tech and tech doesn't have to sting for you. Now, uh, how does, uh, what should happen uh, to make it more, uh, to make tech more hospitable for, for especially mothers then? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think there are various things that can be done, but for starters, let's just take the barrier of entry. When you mm -hmm. look at a job ad that is written for 
someone, you know, a developer, uh, a sales or whatever, it is very, very aggressive. The language that is being used is very aggressive. And there have been studies that have been conducted to understand, okay, what would make a woman decline a job offer versus a guy? And it has Uh very much to do with the way language is being portrayed. So I understand that companies today, such as Google, Salesforce, Red Hat, other companies are trying to make the language way more inclusive, where they they run job ads to focus groups and get information or feedback as to how you know, these job ads are being perceived. Because the, the funny and then the sad thing is that the way a job is being perceived or portrayed and then being perceived will limit mm-hmm. really the people that will apply. So already yeah. there, um, that's one thing companies should or can start doing, making the language more inclusive. When so what, what, they, what kind of, just, just to interrupt you for a bit, mm-hmm. what, what is this in words or in the way uh, sentences are phrased? And can you give some examples of, of mm-hmm. what, what is aggressive versus what is... Um, maybe more suitable if you want to attract women. Mm-hmm. For example, um, in if you take sales industry, for example, mm-hmm. which is very much high-paced, like fast-paced, um, when you have mm-hmm. languages like fast-paced, aggressive, like we want a someone who will burn the candles on both sides, If you, and these are literally things that you find in job ads. This is something that will push someone off because someone that, values work-life balance is not going to be propelled for a job like that no. however if you start think because at the end at the other end what does fast paced mean fast paced and then also someone who brings their all it means that you want actually people to come with their everything to to be collaborative to be innovative to be creative right these are the words that will propel more people and not just talking about women but more people that value work-life balance in general mental health mm-hmm. in general, will be more yep. propelled to apply for jobs like this because it's the same job, right? But it's just portrayed in a different way. Then, of course, I already hear, well, but if you just sugarcoat things and then you fall into an environment that is, you know, high-paced and toxic, that's not what we want either. Of course, you you have yeah. to walk, you know, walk the talk. It's not just what you put on paper. And that yeah. brings me to the second aspect. Creating an environment that is inclusive, meaning within the settings of meetings, for example, if you understand you have minorities and you are a manager, be Uh proactive to hear people out, people that come from minorities, people that are women, like women, women with kids, um, women where the first language is not English, right? That's Mm -hmm. also a barrier. All of these different barriers create friction within teams. You as a manager, as a company, it's your responsibility to make sure that their team dynamic is cohesive, that the team dynamic is collaborative, it is inclusive, right? Make a, a real effort to include people that are not the majority within a team setting or a company setting, right? These are small things that you can do. Is this also part of being a, a, a good mentor, a good sponsor to to women in tech? That you hear people out, that you actually give people a chance to uh, give people a safe space to be themselves. Mm-hmm. So that's the that's even going beyond that, right? We just covered the basic. Now it's yeah. the next step. When women enter tech. 
it's important to have, and you just mentioned, you know, sponsors versus mentors, and maybe mm -hmm. just taking a step back to define these two. What is a sponsor yeah. and, and, and what is what makes a good sponsor and what makes a good mentor? Because you need both. So the role of a mentor, in very short, is to provide guidance. The role of a sponsor is to open doors. And you need both because the mentor will offer advice. They share experience. They help mentees, right? Um, they give you, they share knowledge with you and they support mm -hmm. you to develop individual yeah. skills. Yeah. A sponsor, on the other hand, is someone in a position of influence. They actively advocate for and support your career advancement, right? They mm -hmm. use the influence to create opportunities for you. And then secondly, also, that's a relationship that is more formal rather than the regular mentor-mentee relationship. And you need both uh -huh. because at any given point in time within your career, you need guidance, you need advice, and a mentor will be more, you know, also giving you strategic advice, right? Giving you life advice. That's that's the role yeah. of a mentor. And also hearing you out, creating that safe space that you need to develop and grow and make mistakes. The sponsor mm -hmm. goes way beyond that because the sponsor is going to vouch for you. And it is important yeah. that also you understand, okay, who is the person of influence within my organization that can help me get to the next level? Right. And that's why it is so important to have both also in your in your in your career. And mm -hmm. also personally, it really helps you create that safe space that you that you need to propel, to advance, to be promoted, to be seen, to be visible. Yeah. So if uh, if I understand correctly, the, the, the difference between a mentor and a sponsor is that a mentor is more of, yeah, for lack of a better word, a, a life coach who gives you advice on, on both business and maybe also life, where, mm -hmm. where he's, uh, uh, a sponsor actually uses his or her influence to get you ahead, right? Right, right. Right. So, Not to say that a mentor cannot do that in a setting or point you towards the right direction, but a sponsor mm -hmm. specifically, you know, uses um, their influence to open these doors for you. Yeah. Should, should organizations have these roles formalized, especially the sponsoring role? It's a good question um, whether or not they should have them formalized. So, there are pros and cons towards it because at mm. the end of the day, it is a relationship that you have to build, right? And yeah. um, what I see organizations have is mentorship programs. I don't see mm -hmm. them having lots of sponsorship programs. And I believe no. it's because they want to open the doors or close the doors. But I, I, I want to believe that they want to open, keep the doors open for as many people as possible so that there's no favoritism. Right as to who yeah. will be part of the sponsorship program and who won't be part of the sponsorship program. Then, not to generalize, but within specific fields um, or within specific groups, there are groups where a sponsorship, specific sponsorship program can be you know, fleshed out, such as in engineering, for example. In our company, yeah. I see that in engineering, for example, there are specific sponsorship programs. When you look for leadership positions also, there are specific sponsorship programs. However, I see more mentorship programs than I see sponsorship programs in general, right? Okay. So I believe that there, it, it takes way more for a sponsorship program to live and to live fairly to live equitably for yeah. and to live inclusively 
and diversely than it takes a mentorship program. Because again, it is a sponsor really opens doors. And it is that door opening and the person that is in front of you, right? You have to build that relationship. If that relationship is not established and doesn't work, well, there might be issues as to who will be promoted for leadership. So rather keep it open and broad, you finding your sponsor within the organization, right? That can be someone outside of maybe a formal sponsorship program that your company has already set up, but at least you're setting yourself up for success and are not left, you know, at the mercy of a single person that doesn't see you in the position of power. Yeah, I, th- I th- because I think that's uh, uh, also quite important. It needs to be fair, but also you need to be don't want to be dependent on just one person there. Right. So uh, uh, just shifting a bit. In terms of uh, the sponsorship, what I was wondering about, so everyone has has a special power, superpower, you can call it. Uh, Well, let me first ask, do you need to have a superpower to get a sponsor? Well, it depends. In on other what... words, do you need to have uh, like like I can imagine sponsorships to work well in a, uh, uh, for instance, if you have a talent program. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm, if you're not, that was a bit my experience. If you're not in mm-hmm. the talent program, yeah, uh, chances mm-hmm. of you having a sponsor are small to Absolutely. non-existent. Absolutely. And that goes back to the point why I'm not completely in favor of having a formalized sponsorship program, because if that's the only thing you can use in order to be advanced and Mm. you don't, quote unquote, you know, are eligible for the talents that are being played out, Mm. you pretty much have low to no chances of promotion or a higher salary or or what is there. However, Mm. there are things that you can do outside of superpowers. And I still think these are superpowers. And Mm. I'll give you three things. Number one, demonstrate value of work. You actively have to contribute to projects, right? Showcase your skills, take Mm. on leadership roles, right? So what if you are building a relationship with a sponsor, Mm -hmm. it is your responsibility to understand, okay, why am I building this relationship for, number one? Do I want to be promoted? Do I want to be advanced? Do I want to be seen? And where do I want to be seen? And how will that particular person help me be seen in that specific area, right? Once Mm -hmm. you've identified that, well, then you start, you know, actively contributing towards the project that are important for either the department or the organization as a whole. The second Mm -hmm. thing is to seek visibility, meaning that really your achievement, the things that you do on a day-to-day, maybe you've closed out a big project, maybe you've brought... um, back the biggest deal in the history of your company you've closed three new important clients within a quarter whatever it is that you are doing at a specific time you have implemented with the help of a team of course a new crm system right Mm -hmm. um make these achievements known within your organization present them at meetings and contribute to discussion like be a thought leader at any given point in time of course you're not the ceo but you have been given a portion of a work, right? A portion of of a job that you're Mm -hmm. responsible for. And if you are a leader, who is stopping you to show these leadership skills before you have a title? 
So show these things in meetings, make them known. And then the, the third thing is you have to, of course, then also build relationship with those leaders, right? Attend yeah. company events, industry confer- conferences, have one-on-ones with people in within higher up, right, um, in C-level uh, positions and build that relationship with them and then identify, can this person be a sponsor for me or not? Yeah, um, just going back briefly to your second point, uh, make things visible, uh, make make visible what you do for the value you add for the company. I think that's a terrific point. But my experience is that generally women don't want to bang their own drum. <laughs> yes, and you are very right about that. Unfortunately, um, that is one of the main issues that especially women in tech face, women mm. in general, but women in tech face, because from little, we have been conditioned that we have to remain modest, right? Quiet, yeah. Yeah. silent, yeah. not be seen. And then... If you have been conditioned for that for the past 20, 30 years, and all of a sudden this is what it takes to be promoted, well, you have lost out. Because anyone else with half your skills, but Mm -hmm. a bigger mouth, for for lack of a a better word, will get the promotion and will get the the increase in salary because they're able to advocate for themselves. And here's the mindset shift that I urge every woman to do. Look at your life, like not just your career, but in your your life within the next 30 to 30 years. When you are, you know, at the end of your career, pension is Mm going to fall in. And that pension is going to look very, very meager or small for certain things that you cannot change if you are a woman. Number one, if you have children, you will get out of the workforce. Already, that's a drop in your pay. That's just a fact. That's just how it is. The Mm -hmm. second thing is going to be baby also taking care of your parents, aging. I'm not saying it doesn't apply for men, but mostly within the society that we're living in today, in the context in which we're living in today, it falls a lot on the the shoulders of women, right? So you're going to take care. Then anything can happen in life, sickness, disease, whatever it is, you will be taken out. So all Mm -hmm. of these instances cause a drop within you contributing towards your pension. So Mm -hmm. if you then after that don't make a a really conscious effort to negotiate your salary at every given point in time within your career, you are not able to fall back, right, or to pay back the things that you're already missing within your pension. And it's going to be a very, very difficult time to live in. Because if we look at women today that outlive their husbands, that that live much longer, it is a very, they are really, really dark numbers, really, really sad numbers for women yeah. that have passed uh, the age of pension and are living in, in stark poverty. And mostly because either they start out working very late because of children, having children, uh-huh. or, yeah. you know, getting back to work um, after having kids, right? And then secondly, mm-hmm. starting at a very low salary and never negotiating that salary. So I urge every woman, just for that reason, negotiate yourself. If there's nothing else, if you don't need anything else, just for that reason, for your future self, you owe it to yourself to live a happy life at the end of retirement because you have contributed like everyone else towards society. You need to be able to reap those fruits, right? And make that effort, uh, that active 
conscious decision that I will negotiate my salary. I will mm-hmm. seek for a higher salary because at the end of the day, I want to reap the benefits of my labor. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. And just to, to add one tiny bit to that, uh, the chances of a woman living longer than a man are far from uh, hypothetical. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a fact of life. Mm-hmm. And really, mm-hmm. you do not want to experience that income drop. No, you don't. You don't. With the yeah, rate of don't. inflation today and the, the no. way things are going, you don't want to do that. Yeah. So so just uh, a bit also about visibility, yeah? because usually the promotions and the pay raises follow, uh, follow the visibility. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you look at just... Uh, I had a guest earlier on, Marie Weiler, and she told me, well, I sent an email to my... Uh, to my manager every week telling him, hey, this is what I've done. This is what I've mm-hmm. achieved. And sometimes these are like the, the big things like uh, in helping to implement a CRM system or uh, uh, getting a free big, uh, in her case, free big investors uh, through the door. But mm-hmm. sometimes they are like really small. Mm-hmm. Type of things like, like uh, I, I, I wrote a newsletter which was received well, or I uh, published uh, free social media posts that were mm-hmm. working quite well. How do you look look at just also uh, advocating on on uh, on a bit more micro level uh, mm-hmm. about y- your achievements? Mm-hmm. I think these are wonderful examples of um, advocating for for um, yourself, and I always say you have to find what fits for you. Right. Um, It can be as a start first, just writing it down for yourself. Right. And then getting into the habit of, oh, these are the things that I'm doing. These are the things that I'm proud of. Right. I always Mm -hmm. ask people or or the clients that I work with, write down why you're remarkable. Write down why you are iconic. Write down the things that you're very, very proud of. Even the ugly things, the good, the bad and the ugly, the things that make Mm -hmm. you learn, the things that stretch you. Once you've done that, find a space person, whoever, with which you can have a one-to-one conversation. If you're not, if you still have to muster up the confidence to speak to your manager, because that's also another thing. Not the sheer fact that you're writing it down doesn't often give you the confidence to speak to your manager right away, right? People are there at various stages. They need to muster up that confidence. So find that safe space, have a talk, and then after you've done that and in a time frame, how would that look like for a time frame? If you do it, for example, for the first four weeks, that after after the in the fourth week, that should be the time where you then go like, okay, let now let me have a conversation with my manager. And start yeah. there, have it on paper, because paper helps to clarify your thoughts and be precise in what you do. And yeah. then have that conversation with your manager. Or also, you know, if you don't want to have the conversation, send in the email, just like um your your uh, guest did. Send in a weekly email saying, okay, these are the things that I'm doing. This is how I'm contributing towards the success of the company. Because that's what yeah. your manager ultimately wants to see. Your manager has given you mm-hmm. a task or a job to successfully contribute to the you know bigger picture um, of the success of the company. So what better way to show him or her, well, look at all the beautiful and wonderful things I'm doing so that we are all more successful. That's a great way to demonstrate your uh, accomplishments, right? Without coming off cocky. And yeah, I think exactly that's a fine line. 
exactly. I was about to say because that that is like uh, the 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 biggest fear of m- most people, not only mm-hmm. women, is that they come across as 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 uh, yeah cocky, mm-hmm. as being mm-hmm. like, uh, hey, look at me being mm-hmm. the really big uh, guy or girl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and that's. Think- uh, but but if you do this this uh, uh, with how do you do this with grace? Is there a certain uh, uh, if you, if you do it on a weekly basis? I guess uh, if you write it down, especially you mm-hmm. have a time to to learn to formulate these um, your, your achievements, and also mm-hmm. you have a bit of uh, it becomes sort of natural to you then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So first of all, it becomes natural to you. And then there, again, also there, there are different thoughts around that, because let's not forget, they're still biased towards women that will advocate for themselves. And that bias uh-huh. goes from men and women. Women, there has been studies that have been conducted, um, peer review studies, HBR studies that say women that advocate for higher salary, for example, are frowned upon higher mm-hmm than men who do the same thing by men and women, right? Yeah. So that's the backlash effect. That backlash effect that says, hey, why are you, you a woman? Like, why, why do you want war? Why, do you, are, why are you greedy? Versus mm-hmm. a guy that does the same thing and he's going to seen as, oh, he's very assertive. He's very confident, right? Yeah. So that's where different studies come in or different thoughts of school come in as to how women should advocate for themselves versus men. When a woman advocates from a place of we collaboration, mm-hmm. because these are the attributes that by society have been you know, imploded on her, she's seen way more greedy than when a man is doing the same thing, right? So these it's are- interesting, songs- right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's very it's interesting. Right. Because, it's very because we're looking at, at the same, uh, yeah, basically, uh, except for the biology of things, we're looking at the same people and all of a sudden the, the whole perspective changes. It's, it's absolutely the same thing. because It's absolutely right because the thing is, it is interesting, but also it is not fair that women yeah. have to think two, three steps ahead of how they are being perceived, how they look, how they, you know, the, the, the makeup, the hair, the, the, anything that they're doing right with regards to their behavior when walking into negotiation versus versus a man. Um, it is not fair, but at the same time, you know, I am advocating for how do I bring power back to you as an individual, right? And yeah. some don't disagree with that. They're like, no, but there's a systemic um, issue that we need to solve. And why is it that we or the victim, right, is now perpetrated as the person that needs to be fixing a system. I get mm-hmm. that. But until then, what are we doing? Until then, how are we changing the narrative? And until yeah. then, I want to win as a woman. And I believe that millions of women also want to win. So my strategy is how do we bring power back to you? How do we focus on the things that you can control versus the things that mm-hmm. you can't control? You can't control your gender. You can't control your heritage. You can't control where you come from. You can't control the fact that you have children. There's so many things that you cannot control. What you can control is the fact that you will bring all of your experiences and everything you've done at the service of your company and make your company understand the reason why they have 
hired you and the reason why they are need to hire you or need to employ you for top dollar. And that is by constantly reminding them of all the accomplishments, all the skills, all the good things you're doing for the company to achieve the bigger goal of the company vision mm -hmm. and to alleviate the pain and the challenges of the company. When you are able to position yourself as that ideal candidate, you can just win. You can only win. Yeah. So I want to shift gears again uh, because you have a daughter too. Right. Uh, how? What kind of things, what are the three things that you uh, want uh, to give her uh, while raising her? Mm -hmm. What are the three three most important uh, mindset aspects when it comes to uh, uh, being happy and winning mm -hmm. that you want to bring to her or give mm -hmm. her? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a very uh, great question so, because I had thought long and hard uh, about this when I had her uh, simply for the fact that she's a black girl, like I am mm -hmm. a, a black woman and in the world that we live in. And unfortunately, she will she will be seen differently by lots of different people. And that is just a fact. That's something that yeah. I can't control that she cannot control. But I don't yeah. want her also to grow up with that narrative that because I'm this, so that. So I empower her every single day and tell her that you're bold and you're beautiful, regardless of what um, society tells her especially as we live in this European context, right? And things mm -hmm. are changing a lot. Like if I look at adverts, if I look at big brands, I see way more diversity in these big brands, within makeups, within clothing, than I used to see 10, 15 years ago. So that's a good mm -hmm. thing. However, when you were in a school, we live in Switzerland, right? Um, and the, the setting is just that. She's the minority within, within the school. So, and she, there have been incidences in which that were not pretty, that were downright ugly, right? Mm. And um, where we had to deal with racism. And I have to explain to her why things happen the way they happen. At a very young age, at the age of five and six, I have to explain these type of things to her. And I know that my friends that are a Caucasian, they don't have to explain those type of things to, to their children because they're not affected. So the, what I give her is power. I, at any given moment in time, I tell her, you're beautiful, you're, you're, you're brave, you're bold, mm -hmm. right? Um, and no matter where you come from, no matter where anyone else comes from, everyone is the same. And I make her yeah. understand everyone is, is is the same. I want her to treat people, you know, as uh, kin the same way, um, regardless of how, how other people will perceive her or will look at her. Um, mm -hmm. And then secondly, also that girls will rule the world, <laughs> that there's nothing that you can not do, because I understand that there will be times where she will be alone to mm -hmm. advocate for herself, where no one yep. will open their mouth to advocate for her because that's the same thing that happened to me. I had to advocate for myself several times um, when there was no one for, for me, when there were no allies. And she will have yep. to be that ally and that sponsor for herself. So when I'm in meetings, when I'm in conferences, I take her along. I have a son also, so I take also her, her brother along. Right to okay. show them there's a different world outside there for them with lots of opportunities. I want you to focus on the opportunities and not on the limitations. Because if you focus on the limitations, you've already lost. You cannot change them. But what you can focus on are the opportunities. Create these opportunities for you if they are not there yet. Right. So this is what I'm giving her. 
That's beautiful. Thank you. I and, and I really mean that. Um, Thank you. I read on your website that um, you feel that it's every right, uh, every child's birthright to be adequately represented. Can you double click on what that means? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. I wrote a book that's called My Hair, My Choice. And uh, uh -huh. My Hair, My Choice is a uh, actually a celebration of hair, but most importantly, a celebration of the representation of every child. When my daughter was born, she's 10 mm -hmm. right now, but when she was born, it, I had a hard time finding books to read for her in which the characters looked like her. Uh -huh. And I thought, well, oh, it no. shouldn't be like that because if I go, you know, find any type of book, I'll find it. But I, I want to have a book that represents her, her curly hair, right? Her Afro hair um, yeah. that represents her heritage. And it wasn't accessible or it was way overpriced. So that's another thing, right? You, you, you find them and then it's like, okay, I will buy a book today and tomorrow I won't buy any other book. So I said, and then secondly, <clears throat> For me, it was that the more she will see herself or the more a child sees themselves represented within society, within day-to-day, uh, -day, within in TV, in different jobs, they will feel like, okay, hey, they are doing it. I can do this. So it's their birthright to be represented. But it's the birthright mm -hmm. for every child to be represented, not just a specific uh, gender or specific heritage or specific background. Mm -hmm. So that's the main reason why I wrote the book, My Hair, My Choice. And that's also the, the main mission mission and vision behind the book as in it's every child's birthright to be represented within society, within books, mm -hmm. in literature, in history, in culture, in music, in economy, in society, in politics. Yeah. So, so basically, it's also about giving, uh, showing your daughter that she that she has an identity which is okay right which is absolutely around absolutely it's, it's there's an identity it's part of society and it is normal yeah. Yeah. i want her to know that it is it is normal right and also i give you a specific example last time she was talking mm -hmm. about her hair uh, because she's she, she's a swimmer so she loves to swim and then mm -hmm. they all, all of the, all, all of the kids have to wear swim capes. Well, try no. putting a swim cape on an Afro, right? Because most of no, the swim not capes happening. Are no. not happening, right? Especially mm. if you have Bantu knots and things like that. So that's different. And she said, well, mom, you know, um, I can't use the swim cape because the other kids have normal hair. I said, hang on a moment. What does normal hair mean? And who are no. the other kids? Why is your hair not normal? Who says that? She said, uh, uh, and then she caught herself up because I've trained her that you are normal, completely normal. You yeah. look different from the society in which you currently live in. But if we go to Africa or other parts of the world, other people lo will look different from the society they live in. So what is normal? Yeah, right. Explain, because, right? What, yeah. what is normal, right? It's just that you live today in an environment in which you are the minority, but minority that doesn't equal not normal. It's just that it's a minority. That's it. So your hair is normal. And then quickly she said, yes, of course. I mean, I meant to say that the kids with um, uh, thinner hair. I said, yes, great. They have thinner hair. You have thicker hair. That's yeah. it. But it's both normal hair. Yeah. And it's it's uh, the, perhaps there's a, a 
someone listening who thinks, hey, I can make these caps also for women with uh, or children with uh, Afro hair. Yeah. I'm, I'm and by the sure way, they, they now they they exist right now. So I, I've um, but if ah. there's anyone from your listeners uh, that is currently uh, selling them, please come my way because yeah. I need them. Okay, well that uh, that's a nice bridge to uh, the two final questions I have. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed this conversation. By the way, thanks you so uh, much. Same here. Uh, let's assume that you have a magic wand. You can make anything happen. Mm-hmm. What is the one thing that you would change for women in tech and why? I would change for... One thing I would change for women in tech is that they gain the confidence to negotiate the salary at a much higher rate than they're doing now. And the reason being that... Uh, the future in which we live is full of opportunities, but these opportunities can only be harnessed if you are in the right financial state. Yeah. And if you're not in that state, it will be very, very difficult. You have dreams for your family, for for society, contribution that you want to do. It all comes with you being in a great state from your career standpoint. So that is what I want for women. And then secondly, I want them to stay in tech. And that sounds like a great, great place to wrap. Thank you for the conversation. Last question, where can listeners learn more about you? Right. So I hang out on LinkedIn a lot. So you can find anything about me at Claudia Bruce Corte um, on LinkedIn. I'm also, I also have my website, um, ClaudiaBruceCorte.com. You can find me there um, and subscribe to my newsletter. Okay. And of course, we'll include those links in the show notes. Well, Claudia, it was a delight to uh, talk to you today. Thank you very much for the interview. Thank you so much. And listeners, uh, thank you very much for listening. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Claudia and I hope that you've enjoyed our conversation as much as we did and that we have managed to inspire you. If you want to learn more about Claudia and her book, you can connect with her via the links in the show notes. And as usual, you can find the show notes at womendisruptingtech.blog. There you can also find the other episodes of the podcast and blog posts about topics related to diversity, equity, and inclusion in tech. On the website, you can also join the Women Disrupting Tech community. If you're a member, you learn about blogs and uh, new episodes uh, first, and you have exclusive access to the events that we organize. If you want to become a member, simply enter your best email address at the bottom of the show notes in the box and press yes, I want to join. Now, if you're listening to Women Disrupting Tech on Spotify, Google, Apple, or Good Pods, would you consider giving the show a rating or a review? Because that way you help other people find the podcast. And if you want to contribute to more diversity in tech, you can also consider sharing the podcast with friends, family, and co-workers because this way you give my guest platform they need to make this podcast obsolete in 10 years from now. Finally, if you want to connect with me, you can do that via the website. Simply send me an email or a message or you can do that via LinkedIn and then you just look up my name, Dirk Jan and you'll find me there. Thank you for listening and I hope to see you in the next episode.